Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and I am joined today by the amazing, talented Amanda Powell. Amanda, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. Not as hot as you. What is it, like 127 degrees there in Austin? Pretty much. 107 today. Yeah, you can't walk outside unless you are physically going to a body of water. <laughs> oh my God. That's insane. Why you people live there, I'll never understand. It's a really hot 86 degrees here. I just hope you, know, you feel a little sympathy for me. Sounds great. On uh, sunny Cape Cod. and But today we're joined uh, by the co-CEO, co-founder of Madwire. If you have not checked out this company, definitely check them out. Uh, and we'll leave obviously uh, resources in today's show notes, but they've got some killer products for small and medium sized businesses, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Make sure you do check out Marketing 360, which is their flagship product. They help small businesses grow, plain and simple. And they enable small businesses and entrepreneurs to manage and grow their brand from a single platform. And that's the one that we're going to be discussing here today with co-CEO, co-founder, eight times Inc. 5000, the fastest growing company, and 4X Glassdoor, best places to work. How the hell did you do all that? We're going to find out that. <laughs> Welcome to the show, JB Kellogg. Welcome to Perpetual Traffic. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm excited about the show today. Yeah, I think our listeners are going to be excited to learn what you know about how to manage and grow small businesses, especially right now. I think that's one of the things that we get a lot of questions about here in Perpetual Traffic because there are a fair amount of folks that are international, digital-based products, but you deal with a lot of small local businesses, you know, as well as some e-commerce platforms as well, which we talk about here quite a bit here on Perpetual Traffic. But I really want to get into some of the strategies that you found to be really working right now amidst this crazy time in which we are in the last three to four to five months. Hopefully it doesn't last too much longer than that. How businesses are really surviving and thriving in a pandemic and what sort of advice you guys have been giving them as well as what are the tools that you espouse and obviously sell through Madwire that assist them in growing their business. So what's the sense of the small business owner at this point in time, summer 2020, sort of still in the midst of this pandemic? What have you been hearing from your customers and what are the biggest challenges and how are you helping them to overcome those? The one thing that I would say and advice that I would give to small businesses right now is there's really no better time to market because what happens is during times like this is businesses pull back on marketing that don't understand really it's the time to increase marketing because there's an opportunity right now to capture a lot of market share. 
because in periods like this, you know, a lot of businesses will pull back on marketing and it will leave fewer that are marketing, which means more visibility for those who do continue to invest time and money into marketing. It creates a lot of market share opportunity. And also a lot of times you'll see your cost per acquisition actually decrease during a time period like this, especially with paid advertising and whatnot. It's a bidding-based system. So if there's less people bidding, the cost actually comes down. So it's a time period where more than ever you should invest in marketing. And what we always say is, you know, marketing to a business is like food and water to a human. Without it, you just deteriorate and eventually die. You have to have it. The mechanism of which you market needs to change, but the fact of marketing being needed will never change. And so the nice thing about small business owners is they're very optimistic and <laughs> they lean into risk. You know, not, not everybody is an entrepreneur. And there's a reason for that. There's not a lot of people that like to take on that amount of risk. And so a small business owner because they are an entrepreneurial sort of a mindset, they're almost in time periods like this, semi-blinded to it. And the small businesses that we work with, you know, <laughs> they're just focused on getting the jobs done that they have today, right? And then I need to worry about tomorrow. And so all this other stuff going around in the world isn't affecting me too much as long as I have those jobs coming in. But you only have the jobs coming in if you keep marketing. And so that would be my one piece of advice is continue marketing. You may need to change the way you're marketing right now. And we can talk in more detail about that, but, but you need to do even more marketing than you ever did before during a time like this. You know, it's interesting because we've had, um, as a part of this whole stay at home thing, one of the things that we've definitely seen as a trend as a homeowner is lots of things that you now want to get done on your house that you otherwise probably wouldn't have been able to do because you're traveling or you couldn't sort of get it together. And we've been able to do that. We put a lot of effort into, you know, landscaping, masonry, all these projects that we just sort of had on the back burner. What we're finding is that these guys don't need any marketing. They're like completely flat out. I mean, that's like the blue collar, obviously the the craftsmen, ones that are here on 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 Cape Cod, Massachusetts. But it's like there are some industries that, as a result of the small, medium sized businesses, have really been exploding. It really does seem to be the trades are doing that. Which, you know, if you're now making money, isn't that the time? Okay, to reinvest back in your marketing, or what are you kind of telling? those types of people that are actually thriving in the market right now? Well, I mean, two pieces off of that statement is when you wanted to do the landscaping because you're at home, how did you find the landscaper? The way that you found them is because they were visible on whatever channel you found them on, whether it was social or on organic search. So the fact that they were even visible at that to have that opportunity is because they invested in marketing, right? And then the second point is what you want to do is reinvest your sales back into marketing. That's what propels growth. So what we always say, if you want your business to be like a snowball where it's continually growing, you have to reinvest at least 10% of your sales back into marketing. So the more sales you get, the larger your marketing budget becomes. Because if you continue to keep your marketing budget at the same fixed amount, your growth will flatline. And so it's just like if I was trying to gain weight for a bodybuilding competition, let's say, <laughs> which I'm not a bodybuilder, but I know they need to track their calories. And as they increase their calories, they're able to increase in weight. If they kept the same amount of calories, they would not grow. Then a business is just the same way with the marketing budget. So we see that a lot where businesses 
invest in marketing and they start growing and do well, and then they flatline and they think the marketing stopped working. Well, the marketing's working, but at some point it reaches a, the max amount of sales that it can drive. So you have to reinvest more back into the, into the bucket to see more growth. Right. Well, I think there's a lot of small business owners, especially the ones that, I mean, most of the ones that we use, just using my personal example of people who are in the trades or working around the house doing a variety of different tasks, we had a really hard time finding one. First off, I don't actually know how my wife found some of them because I'd never even heard of them before. We usually have our sort of set people that we go to, like plumber or electrician, that kind of thing, which is fine. But I also find that having been in like BNI, Business Networking International, for years before I started this whole thing, some people don't want to grow to a certain level too. If you're a local business, like I just need enough to get to X level. I mean, is does your system work to both do that as well as grow? Because I mean, you know, my local electrician, uh, electrician says, ah, I've got five trucks and that's kind of enough. You know what I mean? <laughs> that I have a comfortable living. I don't want to grow to 50 trucks kind of thing. So does your solution in a marketing 360, does it sort of accommodate both types of businesses as well? A lot of times those businesses that want to just maintain essentially might not focus so much on acquisition as they do on lifetime value. And that's just mm -hmm. about remarketing to your existing customer base through email marketing and, and other channels like that to just maintain your revenues. And maybe you do some acquisition, but it's only just enough to you know, capture the amount of leads that you want to generate the amount of sales that you need. Other things you can do, though, if you do have increasing demand with marketing is you can increase your price points, you know, things like this that allow you to increase more revenue because there's more demand for your service without necessarily doing more work. So there's other things that you can do to help help the business, you know, when you're marketing without necessarily growing in terms of headcount. Yeah, we've definitely noticed that for the uh, the couple of the Masons who obviously didn't want to do the work. The, pr the price quote was like 10x everybody else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that's smart. Like, you're so busy. Like, if that guy, you know, in the blue shirt signs on the dotted line, I'll take that job. But otherwise, you know, I'm too busy. I can't take it right now based on capacity. Oh, yeah. I, I had a lawn mowing uh, company in high school. And, um, <laughs> At the end of the day on Saturday, when you were just burnt out because you were mowing lawns all day, we'd have some bids. And me and my partner would always say, let's just bid this really high. That way, if they say yes, it's like totally worth doing. And if they say no, we don't even care, you know? Right. <laughs> How many times they would still say yes. And we'd just look at each other and be like, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, man, it's, uh, it's a good one. Well, having, having been in BNI, which is like kind of the, like that's your sweet spot. Like those, the BNI people, it's a huge listenership of the podcast here is Business Network International and starting like with Chambers of Commerce, that kind of thing. Like they're looking to get out of that. Like it's great to network and get the onesie twosie, but like what is in your opinion, if, if you were to talk to a local business, I mean, bricks and mortar, maybe surface based business, like where do you get the biggest impact in the quickest amount of time to get new leads in the door and to grow the business? Is it the marketing itself? Is it the follow-up mechanism? Like what would you sort of recommend as like, that's a quick win for you? Back in the old days, it would be like, yeah, run some Google ads and get some leads right away. But <laughs> now what we're seeing is you need to really focus on the foundational pieces first, which would be your reputation, your social proofing, right? Those are check boxes people are checking before they call you or fill out a lead form. Um, because if you're just running, let's say Google ads, you're probably missing out on 85 to 90% of the leads that you could be generating if you don't have a good reputation or you don't have a reputation at all. 
or if you don't have any sort of social proofing. So people are searching your brand name and the word reviews on Google and they're spot checking that. And if you don't have any reviews or you have bad reviews, um, that's not good. That means they're passing you up and they're going to your competitors. And it's the same thing with social now. You know, my daughter actually doesn't really even search on Google. She literally searches everything on Instagram. So <laughs> if she, it, before she calls you, she's going to search your Instagram. And if you're not active and you don't have any followers or your content looks, you know, really unprofessional, they're just assuming that your service is also unprofessional. So they're not going to call you. So those are two pieces that I think you need to start there and make those really strong. And also your website, you know, people are making split second decisions on the quality of your product or service based on the look of your website. And we say, don't judge a book by a cover, but they judge, they judge your website, you know, your, your business by your website every day. And if you don't have a quality website, then that's another trust factor that you're losing. So you need to really focus on building trust first. And then, you know, that's really the foundational pieces. And then you can pour traffic into the funnel and, and it's going to be more effect, effective. But if you don't have those things, you're just going to waste so much money on advertising because people are going to see your advertising, but they're never actually going to take the next step and do business with you. And that's reverse thinking because the first thing that you probably ask a small business owner is like, what do you need? Oh, I need more leads, right? Something similar to that. Well, it's not necessarily, they don't think about the conversion, you know? So the thing that they want is the leads. Well, in fact, if you got a hundred leads, but your site stinks and you convert one out of a hundred, wouldn't you rather get just 10 leads and convert maybe five out of those 10? And that's reverse thinking. It's something I'm sure you guys work on enormously through your services with, with a lot of your customers. Yeah, everybody just wants to immediately rush to let me spend money on social media ads or Google ads, but they fail to really make sure the entire funnel is strong. And that, that all, that's also post-conversion. Once the conversion occurs, whether it's a lead form or an online purchase, what's the automated email? What's the thank you messaging, right? What's the journey and the nurture track? Because all of those things are going to generate actual sales and customers. Who cares if you get a million leads if they never become a customer? So the goal is not just to get leads, but to actually turn those leads into customers. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way 
using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. At the highest possible rate. I think that reputation management isn't something that we talk about a lot, but again, the foundation of, you know, marketing at every channel. And it's actually the first, the first job that I had out of college was doing reputation management for small and medium sized businesses. And I think it almost comes back to exactly what you were saying of it almost has come full circle in terms of like high, you know, high stakes marketing. And now I am reading these articles that have come out just the past two weeks about H to H marketing of human to human marketing in terms of just providing providing value and being able to actually interact with your existing customers and not even, you know, exactly what you just said, Ralph, in terms of, oh, get 10 leads and convert five instead of trying to get that huge flow of leads that you think that you need. Because, you know, on just like a basic standpoint, I think that, you know, when it comes to reputation management, even like reviews on your site And managing those reviews, I think, is a question that we get asked at Digital Marketer all the time of like, what do I do about this one bad review? And in terms of just like talking to your customers, you'll get positive reviews if you have have those conversations. I think it's something that we don't really think about a lot anymore in terms of interacting with customers in that way. And also just thinking about providing that value to yourself as a business, because it's also going to help you in all the marketing channels across across the board. Like when your reputation, like you said, you know, trust and authority, that's only going to help you in the search results and start to build your ranking, which is going to increase organic traffic. And then it just spins, starts spinning itself into more traffic in general. What I always say is there's two types of businesses these days. There's those with bad reviews and there's those that will have bad reviews. It's too mm-hmm. easy to leave bad reviews. So stop fighting it and start yep. getting start being proactive about getting good reviews. That's the most important thing. And actually, if you get some bad reviews here and there, most of them are good. That just makes you look real, you know? Uh, my daughter has a YouTube channel. She started like a drawing YouTube channel and she's loving it, but she got a dislike the other day. Her first dislike. And so oh. she, she comes up, she's like, I got a dislike. And and my wife and I were like, oh no, uh, you'll be all right. And she's like, no, this is amazing. It makes oh. me look real. That oh. means real people are watching my channel and, you know, and she's 12 years old. So this is the mindset <laughs> Of consumers now. Dad might have rubbed off on her a little bit. It's actually good, right? So you you have to embrace it. And so here's a power tip for all the Mm -hmm. listeners with reputation. This is a great strategy that works with every small business. But after you complete service for a customer, when it makes sense to ask for a review, ask them for a review. Email template is usually the easiest or a text. Just give them two options. Was the experience good or bad? If they say good, take them to the review site that you want to build reviews on. So they leave a good review. If they say bad, take them to a feedback form on your website to collect more information so that you can improve as a company. The beauty of this, it's an automatic filter. The good reviews go public for the world. The bad reviews go internal so you can improve. And this is a great way to feel less anxiety about asking all of your customers for their feedback and building your reputation. And so just start doing that with every single customer that you complete service with, whether you think they'll give you a good review or not, just do it because either way it's a win. Like they're going to put a good review if it's good. And if it's not, you're going to get the feedback so you can get better. And I mean, the, the best feedback, I mean, I always say you learn more from failure than you ever do from success anyway. So why not ask for it? 
and be upfront about it. And it's obviously going to benefit you because that feedback, the negative stuff is obviously going to change the course of your business potentially. We d- we did that a while back. We started doing, you know, I don't think it was net promoter system, but it was a similar system to that. And we got really good feedback from people who had left us four years ago and it changed, transformed the business. It turned us into, you know, a business that had 50% turnover year over year to one that has like less than 10% turnover for customers year over year. And it was literally three comments, but they were (laughs) consistent. Everybody said the same damn thing and I never actually knew it. So we changed how we did business. And it's now, you know, completely transformed how the business operates. And on the flip side to things, like that's a tremendous tip. I mean, the two takeaways here are first off, I mean, uh, you know, whether or not you know anything about SEO or you're doing anything on your website, you should probably have a your trade name reviews in your title tag somewhere on a page, yes. Amanda, and probably have you know the list of those reviews there so you can maybe get those if people are actually looking it up and Google searching it. And secondly, that decision tree, whether it was good or bad, it, that's typically delivered on an email post when they pay their bill or after the job. Is that sort of the way that you're delivering it? So it depends on the different type of business and what makes the most sense. But usually mm-hmm. an email, and we usually do a thumb up and a thumb down. Mm-hmm. So okay. good, good or bad, and then it routes them. But you can also do a text message with two links, you know, or you can just say, was it good or bad? And based on how they respond, you send them a link. That's a way to do it. So you can automate all of that. If you're using a CRM with email automation, you know, when you complete service or when they make an online purchase, you can automatically trigger that email. You never need to lift a finger. Um, or you can have like a front desk person that literally just manually every morning, you know, sends this out to the customers. Either way, the bottom line is it can't be skipped. It's a must have for small businesses. So you just need to figure out the process that makes sense for your business and run with it. Yeah, makes sense. And there's nothing to do with lead generation for all you small businesses. It's <laughs> like, you know, it's internalizing, it's it's enhancing the quality yes. uh, of your site, your, and hence conversion of your site. Yes. If that's on your site, then you are going to get more conversions. What's the first thing you look for when you look up like restaurant on Yelp? First thing <laughs> I look for is how many stars, four and a half, five, whatever it is. If it's one or two and there's thousands of them, I ain't going there. You know, like it's just human nature. We've just been trained that way over the course of time. Well, the thing is though, just to add, it actually is a lead generator if you do it right, because Google My Business is probably the Mm -hmm. highest return on investment channel you could invest in. Mm. And the number one ranking factor for Google My Business is reviews. So if you are getting reviews on your Google My Business, and when somebody searches the landscaper example, and there's going to be three or five landscapers visible on Google My Business, guess who's going to be number one? The one that's closest to you and has the most reviews, mm-hmm. right? And if, if just put yourself in the consumer's shoes, if you looked at it and a business had 200 reviews and a four to five star average, and everybody else had 20 reviews, who are you going to go with? You know, it's yeah. a no brainer. And so Google My Business is a huge generator of leads. And so if you just focus on building reviews there, in addition to that, I would say top rated local because there's some reputation management features in there that help you control your brand reputation. So top rated local is a very good review platform with Google My Business. And then maybe one other that's relevant to your industry. And if you don't have one relevant to your industry, like you mentioned Yelp for restaurants, I would say like Facebook reviews. 
Just mm-hmm. if you if you can have three of them, then when somebody searches your brand name reviews, hopefully a page on your website shows up because you optimize it, like you said. And then you have three other review sites that all have really good ratings. And then Google My Business, you're de- dominating it on Google My Business. If you just do that, you almost would need to spend very little money on on actual marketing, um, and still get a lot of leads for pretty much free, other than the effort of getting the reviews. You know, so it's a no brainer. So that email follow-up sequence, then it, would you integrate that into Google My Business so it's all done sort of behind the scenes through the software that you guys have, or how does that work? Yeah, so I would recommend if you're using automation to set up a journey where the first email that asks for the reviews, the thumbs up link goes to your number one review platform, probably Google My Business. If they, if they click thumbs down, the journey ends. If they don't click anything, the next email would be two days later and the thumbs up would be to your second most popular review site. And if they don't do anything again, you wait two or three more days and, and your messaging is a little different now. It's like, hey, we've asked two or three times. We don't want to be nosy, but we would love your feedback. Please take one minute, you know, um, right. and that would go to the third one because it's human nature. Some people will leave reviews on the first one, some people on the second, some people on the third. So it automatically distributes those reviews. And if you don't have an automated journey, you can just have your front desk person literally round robin, right? <laughs> you know, three different email templates, but that will spread that out across three, three platforms. Our listeners, I feel like our listeners can't see, but Ralph and I are shaking our heads on the Zoom call furiously up and, <laughs> up and down in agreeance. I think I'm um, Google by business in general is probably the number one like organic traffic, number one like SEO you know, search engine optimization piece you need to focus on when even thinking about search. And this is just like the smartest funnel in terms of SEO. We get asked all the time at Digital Marketer, like, I, how do I even get reviews? Like, I can't even get reviews. And this is just laying out the process in the most perfect way. Because even when you do get those negative reviews, we always say at Digital Marketer that it's always the customers that are upset that are going to leave the reviews, but people, most of your customers are happy and you just need to reach out to them to have them tell other people that they're actually happy because, you know, when generally when I'm satisfied with a product, I just don't say anything, right? I'll, you know, buy from a website and, oh, this is great. And then I use it, but it's not until I'm upset that I feel the need to say something about it, right? Or contact customer service. So, when you put these processes into place, you're, you know, generating more of the positive feedback that generally you don't get. And I think, you know, you think that, you know, it's upsetting to see a negative review. Well, that's just one customer out of all of your customers who are in general satisfied and putting these into place. Yeah, exactly. It's going to start generating more leads. And I think it's such a smart SEO tool specifically for local and small businesses that we don't think about a lot. 100%. And the thing is, is we hear so many small businesses say, well, I don't really have a lot of reviews online, but I don't really want to push that because I don't want to have a bad review. Well, yep. here's the deal. Once you get a bad review, you're crushed because that's the only thing you have now. Yes. So focus on the positive. And the other thing is Google My Business, if you have no reviews, guess what your ranking is? It's at the bottom. So yep. <laughs> you need to start actually building reviews on Google My Business. It's it will be your number one lead generator. And what I always say in the old days, when people needed a referral, they would ask their neighbors, they'd ask their friends, who should I use? Who should I use? They're still asking for referrals, but you know who they're asking? They're asking Google. Google. <laughs> and they're looking at reviews. So 
every review you have online is like a digital salesperson standing on the streets mm -hmm. of America pointing people to go to your business. So the more reviews you have, the more of these digital salespeople you have in the world. So you should just start getting more reviews. And they don't cost anything either because they're working 24-7. I mean, they cost something to get them, obviously. You've got to produce the service. But I mean, that's something that's on there forever. You know, we were doing local SEO for personal injury lawyers. We had the admin of all 15 offices call people and prompt them and give them scripts and all these, like they were legitimate reviews, but it was so manual. Now there's an automated process to be able to do this. And it's so critical it's not only a ranking tool and obviously from a visibility perspective, but this is how humans behave. Like, you know, they, they are going to go to the crowded restaurant as opposed to the one that has nobody in it and doesn't really look all that good and looks <laughs> kind of dirty on the outside, you know? So it, it's human nature and you guys are just following it for local, which is, which is tremendous. Let's switch gears here just for a second. How about obviously conversion on the site and, and reviews and all that social proof is hugely important. How about follow-up? Follow-up seems to me, and I always I learned this lesson early in my agency career where we were getting thousands and thousands of leads for a local bookkeeping service. I was like, man, we're just absolutely crushing it for these guys. And they fired us after about six months. They're like, you know, you guys didn't help our business at all. And I failed to ask the one question, you know, as a new agency owner, what's your follow-up mechanism? And they basically had none. So in the digital age, you talked about text messaging, emailing. When you do get a lead in the door, obviously it degrades. You know, you've probably seen the statistic, you know, after one minute, five minutes, 24 hours, it degrades on multiples of 100 based upon the speed to implementation after the lead comes in the door. How do you recommend quick follow-up and the right type of follow-up so it doesn't seem like you're too, you know, sleazy or too anxious uh, how do you sort of strike that balance and how, what do you recommend to customers when leads come in the door? So I would consider that all like the post-conversion marketing process, which marketing doesn't stop the conversion, which is the leads generated. It, it continues on. And so you need to think about the post-conversion process. So the number one thing that they're going to see is the thank you page. So when somebody fills out a lead form, they're immediately, they should be presented the thank you page. And you would be amazed at how many small businesses the thank you page literally says, thanks, we'll reach out. <laughs> We need to take advantage of the thank you page, right? This is the first opportunity we have to wow the customer. So we should have maybe a video on that page, welcoming them, talking about next steps, talking about the process, talking about why choose you. You should have reviews. You should really, you know, check off all the boxes that they might be thinking, have FAQs, um, help that, them to truly understand what the next step is and when they're going to hear back, Right. Uh, because if they don't feel comfortable there, they're going to fill out six more lead forms. And now you're in a big competition. So try to win them over from the thank you page. And then also follow that up with a nurture track. So it, as soon as they convert, they should go to a thank you page. They should also simultaneously receive an email with essentially the same types of information. And then you should have a nurture track. And I always think of the nurture track essentially as like the virtual assistant of the sales rep. Sales reps oftentimes just need a reason to call. <laughs> So if you have a track that you know matches your sales cycle, so if your sales cycle is normally two weeks, you would have a two-week track. If it's normally six weeks, you'd have a six-week track. And you need to train your sales team on what emails is the, is the lead receiving at what times so that they know what's happening there. 
but try to make it in such a way that it doesn't really matter if the sales reps also emailing them. These are just like additional supplemental emails that just add more value and give more things to talk about to help to convert that lead into sales. And then it's really important just to have somebody devoted to sales in your organization. I mean, it needs to be their number one priority. You know, the height of arrogance is thinking your product or service is so good, it doesn't need to be sold. <laughs> Every product needs to be sold. So somebody needs to be responsible for that. And they need to have probably be on a commission structure with goals that they need to achieve, right? And track the communications, have a cadence for them, build collateral for them. And, you know, Ralph, you touched on it, but you need a, you need a sell and multi-channel too. So in the old days, it was phone, phone, phone. Well, now we need to be text messaging, direct messaging on social media. So think about what makes the most sense for your customer base and be communicating with them in the channel that they're comfortable communicating in. Like my daughter would never get on the phone. She wouldn't even answer it, but she right. would talk all day on a text. So be using, have a text messaging tool. Zoom is great because you can text, you can call, you can email, you can video chat. You know, that's why we use it. But uh, more and more, you need to invest and lean into what the customer's most comfortable communicating. You might even have that on your lead form. How do you want to be communicated with, with a checkbox so that your mm -hmm. salesperson knows how to tackle that? Right. Even if you have a, a relatively low price point, like at what point do you say, you know, to your local customers, you don't need a salesperson or you maybe you don't need as much follow-up. Is there any sort of price point, tipping point? I mean, you know, like I said, like the masonry job can be like a $1,200 job or it could be a $70,000 job. So kind of hard to measure there just using, you know, one here from local. But like, where do you recommend that fine line? Because typically for us, you know, when we're recommending that to customers, it's all right. You're asking for upwards of three figures into four figures, you need a salesperson for sure. A lifetime value of a customer is in excess of five figures. But for a local business, like what would you say? Because a lot of these guys, a lot of you know, my buddies who are in the service-based industries, like they are their salespeople. Like they're the CEO and they're the chief sales guy. So where do you kind of draw that line? I think it just comes down to what does it do to the opening ratio, which is the conversion of lead to account. And if you don't do anything, that's going to be a more of an e-commerce environment, which a good conversion rate there is going to be probably, you know, a percent, one and a half, if you're lucky. But if you have a salesperson, you, you, you really can usually achieve 10% plus, you know, conversion ratio from lead to sale. So do some math there. What does that mean? You know, if you converted 10% versus 1%, how many more sales does that generate? Is it worth it at that point? You know, at minimum, salespeople, if they're 100% commission, there's no cost to you unless they close deals. So, you know, that's another thing to consider. So I think you just need to do analysis on your business. Obviously, if your product's a dollar, uh, increasing the conversion from 1% to 10% might not justify that cost. So that would need to be a complete SaaS solution with uh, online, you know, purchasing, which is, you know, for some services is something you can do, but other ones, it doesn't make sense. Right, right. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize this because we have a coaching program for other agencies and they don't, a lot of people don't realize that commission salespeople exist. Like you don't have to pay a base salary. I mean, you look up on Glassdoor agency salesperson, you say, oh, this guy's making $150,000, $125,000. But, you know, in reality, there's plenty of people that will work for 10%, 20%, if you can afford it, 25%, you know, commission on first month's revenue or whatever it happens to be. And that's just something I think a lot of small business owners don't even think about. 
you know, just that concept unto itself, you know, which is amazing to me going back to the BNI experience and knowing a lot of folks like they don't have salespeople. The CEO is still the sales guy. I'm like, if you really want to grow your business, like get somebody you can really close. Like I don't do the selling here. You know, we have a team for that. But at one point I did, but point is like that's a difference between like thinking about your business like from a CEO like an executive level versus like being in the business which it sounds like you do a fair amount of coaching for your customers in that area as well I would say just you made me think of something but uh, if you are the small business owner that also is doing sales because maybe you have a smaller organization and um, maybe you're a craftsman or something, and so you're actually working those leads. I, for you, for that demographic, I would definitely focus on your lead form being online scheduling. Because if you can just get them to book the appointment where you can show up to do the free estimate or whatever it might be, that's going to really lock them in, essentially, so that you can meet with them and close the deal. What what happens is if you don't have that, you're required to follow up, to schedule a meeting, and just the process of doing that you don't like doing, right? If you're being honest with yourself, which means you don't do it. And then the lead is wasted. And so you need to have online scheduling and booking so that you can basically put in place your open availability. That's on the lead form. Somebody, when they convert on your site, they pick their appointment time. So you just have to show up. You don't have to do all the busy work leading up to that. That would be my tip on that. Got it. Got it. Which scheduler is your one of choice, the one that you recommend to folks? Well, I would, of course, recommend Marketing 360. We have, <laughs> oh. we have scheduling built oh, in there, there but, <laughs> but, but I don't like to be salesy. Use what, make, what works best for you. Outside of that, Calendly is really popular, and that's a good tool as well. I mean, I guess my big question is, is, you know, we're working with a lot of small businesses, too, especially at digital marketers, small and medium-sized businesses and agencies. And just coming from the perspective of, like, where do they start? now that they have to go digital. For example, one of our customers recently runs a children's birthday party service and they come to your house as fairies and they used to do birthday parties for kids and they've had to completely pivot online, which has actually been very successful using kind of some digital marketing strategies where they've they've actually been able to expand their business exactly like Ralph was saying. They're actually booming because they're able to expand outside of the U.S. to do birthday parties um, digitally. But it's really not that easy based on, you know, some of other businesses that aren't able to just hop on Zoom. So I guess what's your, you know, biggest piece of advice for businesses that are just now learning how to pivot and go digital, you know, even from the restaurant perspective, trying to figure out how to, you know, put your menu online can even sometimes be difficult. So what's your uh, take on, you know, moving to a digital platform? That is the key is the platform. You need to mm-hmm. start you need to start with the platform that you're going to use to manage and market your business. And what you want to try to avoid is doing that a la carte uh, because you need so much now. You need a website, you need email marketing, you need something to help you with social media, you need something to track your reviews, you need to then set up ad campaigns on Facebook and <laughs> ad campaigns on Google, and the list goes on, right? And so <laughs> What you don't want to have to do is figure out all those tools, set all those things up, and none of them are really integrated. And so really that's where we would recommend a singular platform. Like you need Mm -hmm. a singular platform where you can log in and from one place you can do everything you need to do to stand up a business, manage a business, and market the business 
through one login, right? That's fully integrated. So it can actually talk to each other so that you can automate as much as possible. And so that's really where marketing 360 comes in. You know, when we developed marketing 360, it's been a nine, you know, nine plus year process. We've gone through three versions. The newest version just launched this year. I think it's a game changer in the SMB space. There's nothing like it. If you actually log in and use it and compare it with everything else, it truly is a singular platform. There's a lot of platforms that say they're an all-in-one platform, mm-hmm. but they're actually not. They're uh, they're like a two things platform, not a 12 things platform. <laughs> so you want to be able to build your website, integrate it with the forms that come into the CRM, that trigger email automations, that you can then schedule your social media posts to follow up with your customers, to do all your advertising through it, and even do your payments because it's about closing the loop. You want to know, this is how much I spent on this Facebook ad. This is how many leads it generated. This is the lifetime value of those customers. This is the true return on investment because at the end of the day, marketing is actually pretty simple. It's just doing more of what's working and less of what's not. The problem is, is nobody knows what's working, what isn't working, if you don't have a fully integrated solution. So that would be my recommendation is, is look for a platform that's gonna work for your business. There's other good platforms out there. If you're not sure which one to use, check out Marketing 360, because whether you're, you're a new business or a personal brand or a large business, it works for them all and it's fully integrated. So that's what we're excited about. I feel like getting that holistic view is so important too. just being able to go to one place and see what's up and what's down. And it really can help you hone in on that area of focus of really where you need to focus on your business when everything is in one place. It makes it infinitely easier than trying to track down what has gone wrong. (laughs) And it seems like there's a lot of dashboards that are out there that are far more enterprise level, but you guys are really focused in on what's most important for the small and medium sized business, which is gives you a lot of differentiate in the market and lots in one as opposed to, as you said, just a few in one. So it's your command center. So definitely uh, we recommend you guys check out Marketing 360 as well as madwire.com. We'll leave uh, all these links, helpful resources that JB mentioned in the show in our show notes over at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast on episode 265. JB, where can people look you up either personally? We already know where they can look you up from a business perspective uh, (laughs) online. How can they connect with you? Yeah, a couple different ways. On social media, you can just search JB Catalog. Um, Also, Marketing 360. I'm very active with marketing content on Marketing 360's YouTube channel. So look us up with Marketing 360 on YouTube. But I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Marketing 360 on Facebook. So just uh, search Marketing 360 and JB Kellogg, and that's how you can find me. My website's jbkellogg.com. That's my personal brand. There's some links there, and you can subscribe to my content um, if you'd like to follow it from there. Well, great to have you on. And I know uh, there's some real writer downers in this episode, guys. So if you are a small business, mid-sized business, especially in the local side, which is what we talked about here today, definitely listen to this episode again. And like I said, we'll leave all the resources and ways you can connect with JB inside the show notes, digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. JB Kellogg, thanks for being on Perpetual Traffic, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It was fun. You bet. And then Paul, as always, a pleasure. <laughs> always a pleasure. <laughs> so until next week, everybody, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.